What is up, Goal Line listeners? We are putting the finishing touches on Wild Card Weekend, and we are back with your first playoff edition of the Goal Line. Jordan, what's going on, man? Oh, uh, just cracked a beer and uh, time to reflect Same on here. time to reflect on what was a pretty uneventful Wild Card Weekend, and I am uh, I'm definitely ready to talk about it and just kind of kind of pick apart the weekend that was. I thought it was a relatively entertaining weekend of football, especially considering we didn't have any any instant classics, you know. Uh, I, I know we'll get into all the games, but yeah, you're right. We, we didn't have a whole lot of late game drama for the most part. Uh, we're recording live. There's seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter right now. Bucks winning 25-9. What have th- been your thoughts of the, uh, the Monday night game so far? Man, this is going to go down as one of the biggest collapses in football in, in a while. The Eagles just, dude, they were 11 and 1, and they're going to go out round one to a not even very good Bucks team. Like, I. The whole vibe is just off, too, man. Like, dude, somebody's, somebody's got to get canned out of this. Like, yeah, I, I don't, Sirianni might be in trouble, man. It I don't looks know like if it's uh, all on Sirianni, though, is the problem. Dude. I don't either. They brought in Matt Patricia in week 15 to be the defensive coordinator, and now they're going to end up going one and four since that point. Like, that was not a good move. I just, I don't know, man. The Eagles are like, they're usually the franchise, well, in the last 20 years at least, they're usually the franchise that you're like, uh, we, we know they're going to make the right move. But, man, dude, this season has been bad for them overall. Like, it's just as a whole, I mean, what a wasted season. I mean, they got so much talent on that team, and who knows what it'll look like next year because, I mean, who knows if Kelsey comes back. I mean, you lose him. That's that's one of your biggest leaders on the team. So I don't know, man. I, I think this team's gonna look really different next year. Think about how they looked after they beat the Bills, you know, back in I want to say maybe week eleven. They looked like they were damn near a lock, man. I mean that it seemed like the 49ers broke something with this team. Uh I mean it it's all been let me go back and look at their schedule. It's it's all been bad. So they, they got beat by the Niners, then the next week they got pasted by the Cowboys, and then they lost that Monday night heartbreaker to Seattle, beat the Giants, lost to the Cardinals, and lost to the Giants. Like, And now they're going to lose to the Bucks. I mean, that's about as piss poor of a finish as you can have. Like, dude, yeah, they had the hardest schedule in the league, and they were 11-1 and at one point, but, man, it just all broke down at the end of the season. I don't know. Jalen Hurts started making some really questionable plays and started just turning the ball over at an alarming rate. The safety he took in the third quarter tonight was one of the most bizarre plays I've ever seen. He had a clean pocket, could have stepped up and threw the ball, then runs backwards for six yards and then throw barely even gets it out of the end zone, so it's intentional grounding in the end zone. Like, I don't know. AJ Brown not playing tonight is not a good look at all either. Like, dude, unless you have like something torn in your knee, which doesn't sound like he does, because he sounds like he was going to play next week. So, not a good look for him either. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know where this team goes. They're going to be searching for answers at this point, and for a team that drafted as well as they have the last five years, this is going to be a pretty bad end to a season. Yeah, uh, hard to think of another collapse we've had that has been this freaking ugly, man. Uh, we'll get into the rest of the weekend in football, but real quick, man, how much has this uh, cyclone bomb weather event affected you guys there in Nebraska? Oh, dude, this has been 
this has been one of the worst weeks for weather that I can remember, honestly. Um, so we got, what was that, Monday into Tuesday, we got like six inches of snow. And then Thursday into Friday, we got another 10 to 12. So, I mean, just last week alone, we had almost a foot and a half of snow. And then this weekend, it didn't hit zero once. It was below zero the entire weekend. Wind chills on <laughs> wind chills on Saturday were like 45 below or something. Like the high was negative seven. I mean, it was just I, – I honestly don't really even know what to think of this. It's just been I, – I just don't remember a time where we didn't go outside for basically a week. It was brutal. Is uh, is Zoe out of school all this week? So she's got school tomorrow. She's got a two-hour late start, but they didn't have school last Monday or Tuesday. Went back on Wednesday. I think they went Thursday, and then they were off Friday, and then today was MLK Day, and then tomorrow's a late start. So it's just fucking weird, man. I'm sure schools are all closed in Tennessee now for the rest of the yeah, week. Yeah, I was going to say, you're going to be ashamed of us, man. We are we got about four inches of snow. I don't know, maybe a little bit more. They had, they said four inches on the news. I'm pretty sure you're here in Oakland. I think we were just catching some of those snow belts, man, because if you saw like some of the pictures I post on yeah. social media, like we had some serious deep snow in the backyard. Like, we had a hellified football game uh, this morning back there, but they went in and closed schools for the whole week, man. Uh, like they already said, like, we, we, you know, we'll try again on Monday. Well, dude, that's the thing is I was reading too, like Nashville got hit pretty good. It looks like it looks like they got like six to six, seven inches somewhere in there. And I mean, it it sounds like they hadn't had like a decent snowfall in like 10 years is what I was reading. So, yeah, yeah, dude, it snowed hard for 18 straight hours here, man. Like it was coming down. It started yesterday afternoon and it didn't stop until uh, until early this afternoon. It probably took a while for it to start sticking to the street, though, because of how warm it usually is there, didn't it? Uh, I don't know. See, I know here in our neighborhood, man, it, it stuck pretty quick, man. I don't know how the highways did. I don't know if they put down any salt earlier or not, but either way, I know most of the, most of the country's dealing with it right now. So we want to let you guys know how the, uh, how me and Jordan were faring. Uh, you ready to get into the rest of wildcard weekend and beyond? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's, uh, Let's start with, we're going to go through all the games, obviously, since there was only six, but let's start with uh, the Texans and Browns on Saturday. Good God, the Browns just completely fell apart. I mean, I knew the Texans were good, but good Lord, man, that was just a pasting of a game. Yeah, the the Brown it, at first I thought it was going to kind of be that kitchen sink game like we talked about. There's usually one every playoffs where it's just a ton of points and crazy ass plays. Um it was looking like that and then, you know, midway through the third quarter, you know, Flacco kind of turned into that pumpkin and saw the turnovers, man. That pick six was just brutal and the Browns had no answer. It was like an avalanche. Once once the Texans got rolling, there was absolutely nothing the Browns could do to stop them. I still think Hell of a season for the Browns, man, to even make it as far as they did with all the injuries they had. Um, but, yeah, I, I was impressed with the Texans, man. They got a tall test in front of them this week. But just what what a first season there for, for C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans down in Houston. Yeah, I just – dude, if you would have told me that C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans would not only make the playoffs in their first season but win their first playoff game, I would have told you you were nuts. Um, but I mean, dude, we, I, I, I sold hard for them after week three. I said they went on, they got their coach, they got their quarterback and they got a rush in that can, 
um, cause havoc. I mean, dude, they went all in in one off season and they hit on all three of them. So, I mean, that's a, they did it right. They, I mean, they, since they got rid of Deshaun a couple years back, they just kind of been stockpiling young talent and, um, they did it right. Lovey kind of screwed them a little bit, but I mean, not too bad. They, they still ended up with Stroud, which was the, the best for them. So, um, yeah, just an incredible season, no matter how it ends. But yeah, we got to give love to the Browns because, dude, they could have mailed it in when Deshaun Watson went down and they started, ended up starting four quarterbacks this year with DTR, um, PJ Walker, Flacco, and Deshaun Watson. And, they made it all the way to the playoffs with it and looked like a really good team going into the playoffs. I don't know if them not playing starters week 18 was a bad decision by them, but defense did not look like they were into it at all. They missed a lot of tackles and Stroud just had an hour to throw the ball, which I did not see coming. I thought the Browns would get after him early and often in that game. And they didn't, man. He just sat back there and threw the ball and they ran it really well. And yeah, it was, I, I thought the Browns defense would be the the um, X factor in this game, and they were the X factor, but for the wrong reason. Quick, uh, quick change of subject, man. I know you said you you turned the game off because it had gotten so ugly. We just had a twenty uh, five yard Baker Mayfield touchdown pass to Chris Godwin to just stick a knife in the Eagles, man. Eagles went suicide blitz, and uh, Baker off his back foot just chucked it up to the end zone, and uh, and Chris Godwin made the catch, man. So it's now. Uh, it's now thirty-two to nine um, uh, with with Tampa winning, man. So yeah, what a freaking, what a stunning turn of events for for Philly, and it's officially over. We can Tampa Bay can go ahead and start game planning for uh, for Detroit next week up in the Motor City. Yeah, um, yeah. Going back to Houston, man. I I gotta say, dude. Yeah, like. What an offseason they had, like you mentioned, man. If you're if you're like a, a casual just getting into the NFL this year, it's hard not to think that the Texans might not be like the number one draft pick for like teams to adopt as your uh your like ride or die, right? Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard not to to look at what they've done and not be just completely impressed with it. It's yeah, it, it, absolutely incredible rebuilding as quick as it happened. I mean and this is without Tank Dell, who is arguably their best player for half the yeah. season. Like, what what they're doing is not normal. Like th- this season from the Texans, I hope it doesn't end up going unappreciated because I'm guessing it ends on Saturday. I mean, I just I do not think that they beat the Ravens. But even if it ends Saturday, even if it ends badly, like that this season needs to go down in history. Like one of the better rookie seasons for a head coach and a rookie quarterback that we'll ever see in the history of football. So yeah, they're playing with house money right now for sure. And and dude, you mentioned Tank Dell going down. Shout out to Nico Collins, man. What a glow up for him the last few weeks. Like he's kind of, you know, he started the season as one of those guys who like, you know, if you grabbed him off the waiver wire for your like wide receiver three in fantasy, you were you were kind of happy with it. You felt content. He'd get you at least a few points, and he's been the best wide receiver in football over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's been he's had a really good season. I mean, thirteen hundred yards and eight touchdowns is nothing to sneeze at as a wide receiver who before this year had really done nothing. So yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely incredible. But yeah, I, I really I do hope that um, everybody can just kind of take this in and. Even if they get smoked by Baltimore, like dude, which I don't think they will. I'm just saying, like, even if they do, I hope everybody. Yeah, it's a win no matter what. Appreciates this season by them. 
it was a win the moment they beat the Colts week 18, man. Like this season was already a smash or really even kind of just making it yeah. to, to that game was a smash success. And it's all gravy from here for the Texans. Absolutely. All right, let's go into the night game on Saturday night on Peacock. Good God. Um, <laughs> Chiefs and Dolphins. Dude, Rough night for Miami. Dude, they cannot win a game under 40 degrees. Like when they busted that stat out, I was like, them blowing home field advantage in the playoffs was <laughs> that was the biggest blow for any team. They had to have yeah. home field. They're um, already a warm weather team. Like just based off their geographic location, obviously, and then their style of play like leans even more into it. You know what I mean? Like they're a warm weather team playing a warm weather style of football, and their quarterback is a warm weather quarterback. Like, yeah, there's no reason, reason in Hawaii, no reason to sugarcoat it. Yeah, and then plays in Miami. Like, dude, there's no reason to sugarcoat it. Tua is not good when it gets cold outside. Like, it, it's it's okay to say that, man. Like. There's a lot of players that uh, weren't that were a, a dome player and got outside and just never really could get it done when the weather went shit. So, yeah, yeah there's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, obviously, pure disaster from the Dolphins. I, I want to ask you something. Were you a little bit surprised that they never went back to that Tyreek Hill deep shot after the first one worked so well? I mean, I felt like the first one was all Tyreek, dude. Like, if you look, that was a badly, badly underthrown ball by Tua. They kind of ended up working out, man. I think, I don't know. I think they just didn't trust Tua to even chuck it, you know, downfield again after that, man. I I did think they should have had him more, just find a way to force the ball to him, dude, because it seemed like Tyreek Hill was the only guy um, that came to play. He was, you know, obviously the first time back in Arrowhead, won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. They traded him away. Um, and... Yeah, they just – it was a flat performance, man. It seemed like they did not want to be out there. Uh, I would have found a way to just get it to him by any means necessary. Double coverage, triple coverage, like Tua just chucked the ball to Tyreek. Well, it, it's funny that you just say what you said about Tyreek looking like the only one that wanted to play because outside of that 53-yard touchdown catch, he had four catches for nine yards. I mean – Right, I, yeah. I mean, I, he didn't do much at all, but I'm just, I was just talking – just, you know, from like the swagger, right, like the – the energy and stuff. It just like, like you could tell he was fired up off that touchdown. And I just felt like they should have made more of an effort to just force the ball to him. I, I guess that was my point more than anything is like, dude, even I don't know. Yeah. It was a badly thrown ball, but dude, isn't that what you pay Terry kill for is to just throw it yeah. up and let him go get it. Like uh, just let him make the fucking play. I just, I think these coaches outsmart themselves so much. Like McDaniel's a great coach. I, I really do think he, is a fantastic coach. I just you have to change the game when when the weather is like that, man. You can't just keep trying the same thing over and over. Achan clearly did not want to be out there in that game. He looked like he didn't even want to suit up, <laughs> and they kept going back to him. I just I don't know, man. The Dolphins' game plan was so fucking weird to me. I just I I really didn't understand what they were doing in that game. I mean, outside of that Tyreek Hill deep ball, their offense just looked like. Yeah, none of those guys wanted to be out there at all. So, not a whole lot on the Dolphin side. Um, Chiefs look. What do, you, what do you do before we move to the Chiefs, man? I think the biggest thing question for the Dolphins now: What do you do with Tua, man? He's coming up on the last year of his rookie deal now with that fifth year extension. Um, typically, we see guys get the uh, the contract extension in, in that off season between years four and five, if not earlier. Uh, you know Justin Hebert from or Justin Herbert from his uh, draft Good class. Good God, you and this Hebert shit. 
<laughs> he uh he i dude I always go back to billy joe hebert for the freaking saints back in the day man i don't know why that name just sticks in my head um but you know he already got his extension uh i just wonder what do you do with uh with tua man if you're miami do you do you just kick it kick the can for one more year and let him play out that last year of his contract and and roll the dice that you can re-sign him if he does you know take a step up and, and have an mvp year or or do you trade, man? You know, Kirk Cousins, as of right now, Kirk Cousins would be a free agent this offseason. Do you sign Kirk Cousins? Uh, I just – this team's – they're definitely they're, – you know, it ended badly this year. I, I think the injuries really had – the injuries and just having that awful weather in Kansas City is really what did them in. I, I think they're a little bit better team than they showed um, over the last couple of weeks. They just had a hard fade down the stretch. But I wonder – if you make the upgrade at QB or do you wait on Tua, man? I feel like Tua's kind of right in that no man's land, almost like Jared Goff was with the Rams, right? Like Tua's not a bad quarterback. All right, let's get that out of the way. He he can play quarterback, but I, I think he's definitely not a great quarterback, right? I think he's like good to possibly very good if the circumstance is right. I don't think he's a great QB. I just wonder what your thoughts are. If you're Dolphins GM, what are you doing at the quarterback position heading into next season? Um, their, their biggest problem to me is how much they're over the cap already. I think they're like 45 million over the cap or something I saw. Yeah. Um, that's going to be a huge issue for them. So maybe just ride with two one more year and just hope for improvement. I'll be honest, man. What I saw Saturday night doesn't give me hope for the future for him. I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback, but dude, no, you're bad, but it's, how, what's the ceiling with him, you know? I think we already saw it. That's the problem. I think we already yeah. saw a ceiling. This season was his ceiling. Um, I just, dude, if if you're completely inept in that kind of weather, um, I just don't know how you can count on a guy like that. Because, dude, eventually you're going to have to win a game in that weather. Yeah. And I just don't think he can, man. Like, I just, I think he's played in warm weather his whole life and he got into that game and, I mean, you could see it, dude. You you could see it on his face. He was freezing. Like he, the rest of yeah. those guys looked like they were adapting to it. Well, not the rest of them. I mean, some of Miami's guys looked like they were adapting to it. The Chiefs were completely fine with it. Um, but yeah, the Dolphins just look like, hey man, we're outside. This is not where we <laughs> want to be at all. So, to answer your question, I, I'd let Tua play out this year, kind of just see what he does. But there's no way I'm signing him to an extension after that. Like. Yeah. I just he, I don't know I, how I, you I, can do it, honestly. I think you could win a Super Bowl with Tua, but it's going to have to be like every every break goes your way, right? Like I don't think it, you're going to have to have that like that perfect path through the playoffs to make it happen, man. He's just uh, you know, he's just a good quarterback. And and there's nothing wrong with that, but if your team on the Dolphins has got this awesome loaded roster, uh, you know, those windows close quick in the NFL, man. They close so quick. And, you know, you, you figure they probably got two, maybe three years where they're going to be at this level. And you just wonder if you made the switch from Tua to somebody else, if that'd be enough to get them over the hump. Yeah, I, I think they're going to have to get home field advantage through the playoffs, and they're going to need to hope that it's like 95 degrees in Miami or something all playoffs long so everybody else succumbs to the heat. I just – I don't yeah. know how else they're going to win, dude. I just – I don't think two is good enough to win you a Super Bowl, honestly. Chiefs look tough, man. Moving to the other side, I thought the Chiefs looked really good. It looks definitely looks different from what we've seen from them in the past with the explosive offense. But, you know, they played I, – I know I'm talking to probably the biggest Kansas City Chiefs hater in the biz, man. I felt like that was a hater-proof performance on, on Saturday night, man. I thought they played a good game of football. And I'm really looking forward to this showdown with Buffalo on Saturday night. 
Mm, I don't know if it was hater proof. Like, <laughs> let's let's calm it down a little bit. Like, Mahomes barely completed over fifty percent of his passes. Let's calm it down a little bit. Here. I know, but look at those runs he was making. I mean, dude, the Chiefs were playing in that weather too, man. Like, they it, it was not conducive to the Chiefs passing the ball either. I thought that they just, I thought they played tough. I thought they dominated the Dolphins from the opening kickoff. Um, and yeah, dude, I'm I'm not excited at all if I'm Buffalo about playing them again. Not saying that Buffalo should be intimidated, but it's I, I think we're set up for a huge showdown on Saturday night now. One thing I did not understand from this game is why the hell did the Dolphins not take Jalen Ramsey off the right side of the field and have him shadow Rasheed Rice? That was the only dude on the Chiefs that was doing anything as far as passing yeah. game goes. Like Kelsey had a couple of decent catches, also had three drops, which bad some wicked drops i don't understand what's going i mean we know what's going on with this guy but like dude this is not travis kelsey at all like the guy had some drops and took points off the board yeah the guy that's playing football right now is not travis kelsey like there's there's no way you can convince me that that's travis kelsey like somebody else like overtook his body it's like space jam or something um, dude, you got Pacheco though, man. Pacheco straight up beast. I know you love Pacheco, dude. He carried you to a oh, freaking fantasy dude, he championship. Run, that dude runs he, so hard, man. He runs hard. The thing I did not like is so he busted off a couple big runs, and it, it was always like a stretch play when he would bust it off. There was not a whole lot up the middle, and then for some reason, the second half they started running the ball up the center's ass, and he was getting stopped for two yards, one yard. I mean. Dude, his average on his carries was 3.7 yards. And at one point, I think he was averaging like 7.8. So Yeah, I think he finished with something like 20 carries for 89 yards, man. Not not the gaudiest stat line, but it seemed like he was just bruising them, dude. And the Dolphins wanted no part of tackling that guy. I'll tell you what, though, dude. There is one thing to be said. The Dolphins were missing six starters, and they only gave up 26 yeah. points. Like Dolphins D hung tough, man. All things considered, the Dolphins D played a good game, dude. Like... They held, you know, a bunch of field goals and stuff, man. And they and they were on the field damn near the whole game, man. Their offense did them no favor. So yeah, salute. Yeah, that, that's a very good point, man. The salute to the Dolphins' defense because they hung tough as hell. Yeah, they played a good game. Um, I d- we'll we'll keep going. We'll we'll talk about next week's games after. Yeah, yeah, we'll um, save those for the picks. All right. <laughs> I don't even know what we can say about this game. The Packers just obliterated the Cowboys, like. That was almost like a franchise-altering loss to me for the Cowboys. Jerry Jones said he'd never seen nothing like it, man. He said that was one of the most, you know, I think, I can't remember exactly what he said, like the most stunned he'd ever been after a playoff game. The, I, I feel like McCarthy, his head rolls off of this, man. What do you think? I want to say yes, but, dude, Jerry Jones is the ultimate. I mean, he let Jason Garrett stay around two years too long, like, he likes the status quo, that's for sure. No, his biggest problem is, dude, he wants somebody that is a puppet. Yes, man. For, yeah. Like, yeah. dude, Mike McCarthy's not going to be like, oh, no, Jerry, I don't think we should do this. Like, And and I was I was kind of pitching the Belichick thing to you yesterday. I was listening to some people this morning. It was like, uh, oh, it was, I, was, I watched First Take this morning just because I wanted to hear uh, Stephen A. just go in on the Cowboys because it does make me laugh when he does his whole Cowboys stick. Um, it, and it's all directed at Skip Bayless, just so we're all yeah. clear. It's all directed yeah. at him. Um, uh, but they had like Ryan Clark and all those guys on this morning, and they're like, "There's zero chance Belichick could coach the Cowboys because Jerry Jones will never give up the power to make that happen." And it's like, dude, part of me agrees with that, but part of me is like, okay, at what point does Jerry Jones look in the mirror and realize, hey, dude, 
1995 was the last time we went to a championship game. We haven't been one to one since. I've been running the team since then. Like at some point, you got to have a hard look at yourself and realize, hey man, maybe your hands are in it way too much and you're you're halting the team or altering what they could be doing instead of helping them. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad GM. It's just when you have no one to check you and tell you no, which I think was a lot of the problem with Bill Belichick at the end of the Patriots run is he had no one there to check him and yeah. say no. Like Robert Kraft was not telling Bill Belichick no to anything. Like they're, they're, whatever Bill Belichick brought up, they could be – he could say, hey, man, we're trading our next 37 first-round picks for Patrick Mahomes, and Kraft would have been like, all right, man, cool. It's just I, I think you have to have someone that checks you and – I think that's Jerry Jones's biggest problem is he has no one that checks him. He brought his son in, which that damn sure ain't helping because you ain't going to question <laughs> your dad. Um, so, I mean, dude, I think it's game day coaching, man. I mean, as far as Jerry Jones and his son, Stephen Jones, go running GM, bro, the talent's there, man. Like, if I'm playing Madden, dude, like, I'm excited if I get the Cowboys on, like, random pick, man. Okay, like, but, I, but, okay but hold on. You, you say that, but what is the one constant they've had over the last 27 years? Like, you're right. You're right, you're right I, I, man. But, yeah, dude, there, it, there's got to be some point where you're like, okay, some of this blame has to go back on Jerry Jones because I don't feel like it ever does, dude. Everybody's always like, oh, they got a shitty coach. Well, the problem is, is the reason they got these shitty coaches is because he can only hire a certain type of coach. The entire coaching tree is not open to Bill or to Jerry Jones because he can't hire some of these coaches because he doesn't want someone telling him, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. I'm not saying the talent's not there. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying there's been one constant since 1995 and it's him. No, I feel that for sure. You know, he had they had Parcells there back in the early 2000s for like four seasons and seemed like for the most part they got along pretty good, man. You know, Parcells had that he had them built up to a pretty good level um, by the time he left. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, though, man. I don't, I don't think Belichick's right for this. I want to see Belichick go to the Falcons if he's staying in the NFL. You know, I told you my pick, dude. I want Belichick to go coach the Naval Academy. His dad coached there. I think he could max out what, you know, the unique style of play that they play with their limitations on the type of recruits they can get. Um, but it sounds like he's staying in the NFL. I'd rather see him go to the Falcons and do something funky with that collection of talent they got, man, and the running game that they could potentially have with, with that O-line and Bijan. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, I feel like it's got to come up with Gone McCarthy, though. The team just wasn't ready, dude. Like, the team, it seemed like they thought they were going to show up and the Packers were just going to roll over for him. That's why I think if I'm Jerry Jones, I am firing McCarthy and getting somebody else in there, man. I don't know who the right answer is for the Cowboys. Like, maybe you can get Harbaugh, dude. I feel like Harbaugh would do good. Same he'd, same thing. I mean, he's down on the level of Bell. Yeah, he, he, he would challenge Jerry Jones way too much, though, dude. There's yeah. just no way. Yeah, he's about he actually may be more intense than Belichick. You know, Belichick's got to at least be a little bit mellowed out at his old age. Um, but I, I feel like if, in a perfect world, man, I feel like Harbaugh taking over that roster could really do some things. I mean, Har- Harbaugh was fucking awesome in the NFL. I feel like it gets it's just gotten lost over oh, time. Gets yeah, yeah, he's uh, four years, dude, and he made it to the NFC Championship three times with freaking Colin Kaepernick as his quarterback. Um. I think Harbaugh ends up taking the Chargers job just because he can have full full control over what they do football-wise. And honestly, to me, that would be the best thing ever for the Chargers. They need someone just to take full control of that franchise because clearly the owner has no idea what he's doing. So, dude, just let someone else do it and let him make all the decisions because it worked in San Francisco, man. Like, 
Harbaugh run the show worked there, and that's a historic franchise. Like, dude, there's nowhere but up to go for the Chargers at this point, but we're not going to talk about teams that are in the playoffs. Um, So we'll get into the Green Bay portion of it right after this. Do you think – because now they got to pay Dak. I mean, he's had more failures than he's had success. Like, do you feel comfortable paying Dak Prescott $50 million a year right now? I'm not I'm not excited about it, right? I'm not running to the bank to uh, you know, fill out the fill out the, the paperwork and stuff to set that money aside for him, man. Um but I feel like you have to. I, it's a similar situation to Tua. I'd probably put Dak a uh, you know, a step or two above Tua, right? Like Dak's I mean, he's been doing it since 2016, eight years as a starter, had really his best season. I mean, just last week we were talking about yeah. how he should have got more love for MVP, but just some really, really flat performances in the playoffs. And it's not even like the Romo thing. You know, Romo had some – Romo would typically play good in the playoffs. He just would have the penchant for making the back-breaking mistake down the stretch. Dak just has some straight-up stinkers come playoff time, man. Like, I don't know if it's something he does that, you know, when the defenses crank up the intensity on the game planning and everything, they're they're finding something to shut him down. But, yeah, he, he's been awful, absolutely awful in the playoffs. I don't think this game goes on. Well, I shouldn't say that because the majority of his stats came in junk time. So, yeah, a lot of this does go on him, too. Dude, I just think it's funny. Everybody's just like glazing over the fact that Dan Quinn's defense just got absolutely smoked in a big game again. Yes, dude. I, I, he was a hot candidate to get another head coaching job last week. And, dude, I don't know how you roll him out to your fan base had, after that. Man, got, That was horrible. He got four head coaching interviews today, dude. Gee, there was dude. four teams I, I mean, that reached out immediately. Carolina, Seattle. I like DQ, man, but but yeah, dude, that's that was brutal. I just, dude, how do you not change anything in either half? And also, dude, two guys on the Cowboys defense that I expect to just have monster games against the Packers, uh, Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. Good God, dude! Outside of those, they're two, invisible. You couldn't, you couldn't find them, man. Outside of those two holds on Michael Parsons right away, how many times did Dan Quinn drop him into coverage? Too like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, I, I just at what point are you just outsmarting yourself? Like, I, again, I don't know how anyone could look at Dan Quinn right now and be like, oh yeah, this is who I want leading my franchise, especially after that yesterday. I'm not saying Green Bay is a bad team; they're the youngest team. Fourth young, or they're the youngest team in the NFL and the fourth youngest team to ever make the playoffs. And they went into the Cowboys' house, who, mind you, had not lost a home game in two years. They had won 16 consecutive home games, and they got absolutely blasted on their home field. They were down 27 to 0 before anybody even blinked. I just, I don't know how. I don't know how you just kind of salt this one over and just be like, oh man, it was just another game. It wasn't, dude. The Packers took that to them took it to him from play one to play whatever it was the last play they ran. It's just Aaron Jones ran the ball down their throat. Jordan Love did whatever he wanted throwing the ball. And also, we, we gave Jordan Love some some flowers the last two weeks. Dude, that dude yesterday made some throws that I, I think only a handful of quarterbacks can make. There was one time he threw, I think it was his last touchdown pass. There was three guys standing in the end zone. He threaded the ball between the three yes, defenders dude. right into Dobbs. And that was like the point where I just looked at Ari. I was like, holy shit, they fell into another probably 
incredible quarterback for the next 20 years. I just Yeah, it makes me sick in my stomach. <sighs> I just they uh yeah, I mean dude, he's right there with Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson for hottest quarterback in the league right now and like you said Green Bay's got a talented roster, man. Um, came in on a hot streak, but still, dude, like if you stack up there, you know, the, the Cowboys 53 to the Packers 53, it's not close on the talent level. And when something like this happens, when the talent levels are off like that, I just look at the coaching, man. And I just don't know how you could trot Mike McCarthy back out there another season. I wasn't a huge fan of his before, no. uh, you know, before what happened yesterday. Um, and, and to me, dude, he's just at best, he's a non-factor as your coach. I feel like he may act- actively like hold, you know, hold his players back. I mean, how did they, with all those loaded Packers teams all those years, how did they only win one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers up in Green Green Bay while he was there, you know? I I kind of started uh, hitting the fraud alert meter again, uh, for the Cowboys when they won that Detroit game because literally every single thing had to go their way for them to win that game. And I just, dude, they beat up on bad teams and they play like shit against good ones. That's just kind of what it's going to, what it's come down to in the last, five years they they do not play well against good teams Packers were hot as shit and they went down there and Jordan Love just absolutely obliterated them I mean he's making throws off his back foot that touchdown pass to Musgraves or whatever it was where he was thrown off his back foot and they were blitzing and you could not find a Cowboys defender in this on the screen like that was an old Falcons play, man. Whenever the uh, the Kyle Shanahan, Matt LaFleur days, they used to run that to uh, Austin Hooper, man. I, I was telling Sheena, dude, like I've seen that play so many times, dude, yeah. where the, the tight end runs that wheel route to the opposite sideline from where all the rest of the action of the play is going, man. Like I was having flashbacks to the, uh, the Falcons glory days. And the funniest thing about that play is Jordan Love ran into Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones went the wrong way on the fake, almost <laughs> fell over, and then he just chucks it off his back foot into the air. And dude, it was almost like somebody said today. It was it almost looked like a punt return. Like there's just nobody yeah. in the shot. Uh, waiting on Musgrave it. Musgrave is just sitting there waiting on the ball to drop into his lap. And I'm like thinking, oh man, he's gonna get smoked. Then he catches <laughs> the ball and starts running. I'm like, holy fuck, dude! Did the Cowboys just run off the field or something? And then they got they, he got down to the five, and there was finally somebody there. I just, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not gonna dance on the Cowboys' grave because they did have a really good year, but holy shit man as a fan that's like i mean don't get me wrong dude the the packers did this exact same thing to the falcons 10 years ago and it made me sick to my stomach and i just i don't know man there's not a whole lot to say when a game goes that bad but when you've got that much talent and you underachieve that badly again it just yeah you're right it probably does all go on coaching but the problem is is Again, who are they going to get that Jerry Jones is going to be okay with? That's the problem. I just – I don't know where they go, man. It's just it, – it would suck to be a Cowboys fan. That's that's what I'll leave you with because I just – I don't know where they go. I, I really don't. I mean, I, the Falcons are absolute dog shit. Don't get me wrong, but it's pretty disheartening when your team is that good and they just get blown out at home. Like somebody today is like, oh, it wasn't that bad. They only lost by 16. No, no, no. They lost by like no. 40, dude. The Cowboys scored yeah. 20 junk points. Like they got blown out. Like there, there's no way to sugarcoat that game. And even if they lost by 16, they were fared by seven, dude. Like, and they gave up 48, man. Yeah. And the only reason they didn't give up a 50 burger is because the Packers ended up taking Jordan Love and the starting offense out and then had to bring him back after the defense <laughs> was trying to give the game away. So yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just, 
I don't know where you go as a Cowboys fan, staff, anything at this point because that was all time bad. I mean, that's that's about as bad as you can get beat. Um, let's go to what was by far the game of the weekend. Um, it, this is what I said was going to be game of the weekend, and it was. I mean, it wasn't hard to pick. You knew the atmosphere was going to be absolutely insane. Uh, Lions rammed and I think this was a classic game, honestly. Like, good game. Really good second game. half was a little ugly. There wasn't a whole lot of points in the second half, but I thought both teams adjusted really well in the second half. That's the best adjustments I've seen from the Lions defense in the second half of any game this season. I, I really felt like they adjusted at halftime and they kind of took away what the Rams were doing, even though the Rams went away from what was working and it seemed like it was there the whole second half for them. They just stopped using it. Dude, Puka Nakua dog bro you, Puka Nakua is a dog you talk about like best rookie seasons ever like dude we, we might have just seen two of the greatest rookie seasons ever respectively between him and CJ yeah. Stroud like Puka Nakua is an absolute monster and a dog bro just killing it. he's getting rocked getting back up smiling at the defense man like making contested catches that that was an all-timer of a playoff performance from a wide receiver dude and the funniest thing is, is like everybody kind of laughed at McVay when he wanted to draft him. I saw like some um, stuff back from the draft. Like they're like, this guy's too slow to play wide receiver in the NFL. A bunch of people retweeted like uh, tweets that were, I don't know what the hell the Rams are thinking. This dude is no more than a possession receiver. And it's just like, dude, when are people going to stop doubting Sean McVay? That dude is a fucking genius. Like, yeah, they lost last night. Uh, or yeah, last night, but I mean, dude, Stafford for being hurt that entire game. And you could tell he was hurt that game. Like some of the throws he was making, it looked like it just hurt him to make. Um, they lost by one point in one of like the loudest atmospheres I think I've ever seen. Um, there is nothing for the Rams to hang their head about. Like that was just, that was a classic game. Uh, I'm happy for the Lions, man. That That is sad. They kept showing that old guy who had been a season ticket holder for like 65 years. years. And I'm just yeah. like. Said he was there the last time they won the the NFL championship, you know, or something like that. Uh, he, he was in the stadium, I guess. It was before he had season tickets, man. But he was in the stadium when they won the NFC championship you know, or the NFL championship yeah. back before the Super Bowl even started. Um, but, yeah, just a cool moment for them. First home win in the playoffs in 31 or 32 years, whatever it was. Uh and they weren't even playing in Detroit at that time. They were playing in Pontiac at the Pontiac Silverdome. So, yeah, it's a, that was a pretty special game for them. Jared Goff just went out there and absolutely balled last. That's probably the best game I think I've ever seen him play, if I'm going to be totally honest. Like, he just played mistake-free football and just – I mean, he was slinging it, man. He, was, he made some really good throws in that game. Are you not going to mention that I accurately predicted that it was going to be a one-point win for the Lions on the pod last week? <laughs> that is pretty incredible that you did say one point. Like, I, uh, it was awesome seeing the Lions win, man. Like you said, dude, they were, you know, it seemed like Dan Campbell was fighting back the tears on the sidelines. Yeah, there were people crying in the stands. It looked like when freaking CM Punk returned to wrestling back in 2021. Um, it was just, yeah, awesome. Awesome atmosphere, like you said, dude. I still feel like the Rams gave that game away, man. It seemed like they were just very nonchalant down the stretch. They were like the the Rams were playing like the fourth quarter was twenty five minutes long. Um, I didn't like punting it no. when on that fourth and fourteen on their side of the field. 
I feel like, dude, just chuck it, man. Like it seems like in the NFL nowadays, you got like a 30% chance of, of getting a penalty on a, on a passing play. Anyways, man, you know, who knows what could happen. You still had your timeout, so you're really just losing field possession because if the Lions got two first downs, the game's over anyways, whether they start at their 20 or they're starting at the 40. Um, and, dude, the other thing, man, that really freaking burnt me, it burnt me up when it happened, and and then as they got down the stretch, dude, it made it even worse. Like, dude, if I'm an NFL coach, I'm, if I'm like, putting out a mandate, dude, like, do not, especially in the second half, do not call a timeout to avoid a five-yard delay a game penalty, man. Like, those timeouts are so valuable in a close game. And the Rams burned one. It was like a third and 11 um, early on in the third quarter, and they burned a timeout to avoid a delay a game. It's like, dude, how much more valuable is that timeout than, than five freaking yards? Yeah, I, I guess I get it in regular season. Like, regular season, it doesn't bother me as much, but, dude, Playoffs, your timeouts and your challenges are the most valuable things you have as a coach. Um, Because, yeah, I mean, when they got down the stretch, they had one timeout left. Like, dude, it just – it can't happen. And the Rams outplayed them in the second half too. Like, if you look at the stats, they they ended up with time of possession by 10 seconds. They won the time of possession. They had 100 more yards than the Lions did. They they controlled the second half and – the fact that they only came away with six points in the second half is I mean, it's pretty disheartening for them. Um, but, I mean, dude, in the Got to give a shout-out to the Lions' red zone defense, man. The yeah. Lions' red zone defense, along with Jared Goff, just playing mistake-free, they, that won them that game, man. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was an impressive game. I honestly thought this was all setting up for the Lions just to have the most, like, heartbreaking loss at the end of that game. Like I was just waiting yeah. for the, the bad thing to happen. I and you felt like it was ended on a walk off field goal to just send everybody home upset. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, I was really glad for them. There's yeah. Outside of that. I mean, there's really not a whole lot to take away from that game. I didn't think, I mean, the lions good did. season for the Rams, just like we were saying for the Texans, man, good season for the Rams. This was still supposed to be another rebuilding year. Um, they were supposed to get a how, top five pick this year, dude. That, that's what everybody yeah. was t- saying is Rams are going to be picking in the top five. I think you got maybe, you know, you could do some tinkering, add a few pieces here or there. Um, I think you got maybe one more year of Stafford, though, dude, where the Rams could be a contender with him at quarterback. Dudes, he's he's still getting it done, but he's definitely got, you know, a lot more in his rear view than he does in his windshield at this point. Dude, let's talk about this real quick. I I, I want to touch on this because I heard about it, I heard it today. Um, the Rams have not had a number of first round picks since 2016. Yeah, their GM says fuck them picks, man. <laughs> Trade them, dude. Dude, do you know how crazy that is though? That that never works for anyone. Like that shit does not work. Their last number one pick was Jared Goff. Like, just absolutely insane that they've traded that many first round picks in a row. I mean, seriously, that 2016, eight years ago was their last first round pick and they have built, they have kept that team together and yeah, no matter what, like, yeah, last night was disappointing for them, but dude, still a major success. They won a Super Bowl two years ago. There's no way any Rams fan right now is mad. Like, yeah, the, the Falcons could trade their next 100 first round picks if you told me they're winning a Super Bowl next year. Like I'm dead serious. Yeah. They'd be like, "All right, we're just gonna get a superstar roster, win the uh, championship next year, and not have a first round pick until 3025." And I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. "Deal." 
I don't know about 3025, but yeah, the Super Bowl definitely gives that you get like a 10 year grace period off of that, man. Whatever you had to do, selling your soul to the devil, you get that Super Bowl win. It makes it all worth it. Yeah. Um, today, this is the other thing I wanted to say. Like, I've never seen as many uncompetitive games as we saw this weekend in a playoff weekend. Just one game that was really competitive and the rest were just not good at all. I mean, the Bills... Yeah, at best, you had the losers kind of hanging around for a little bit, but it never felt like the Bills were in any real danger today. No. We'll, we'll go over that real quick. Bills, Steelers, um, there's not a whole lot to take out of this game. Josh Allen played an absolutely perfect game. That was really the takeaway from today. If he plays like that, they ain't losing, man. I'm just saying it right now. If he, if he can keep his emotions in check and not turn the ball over, and not do the dumbass throw downfield just to chuck it, they can win the Super Bowl pretty easily with with what I saw today. And their offense was without Gabe Davis, too, which was even more impressive yeah. to me because um, they lean on him quite a bit in a lot of games. So, yeah, um, great season from the Steelers again. I couldn't believe there was people shitting on them today. I'm like, dude, they won, they won three straight games with Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback. Like. <laughs> You know, there's questions about Tomlin's future there, man. He got How? asked in his in his post game uh, press conference. Uh, a reporter asked about you know his job security, and he just walked off. He didn't even address the question. He just left the press conference. Well, because he's got. I he, mean, he has one year left on his contract, and right. And typically, you don't see NFL coaches go into a season as you know as a lame duck with just one year. It's just kind of it's just a common business practice. NFL teams just do not do that, dude. If you seriously fire Mike Tomlin, who has had 17 consecutive winning seasons, I mean, you better be setting the fucking world on fire with your next hire. And it cannot be Bill Belichick, just so we're clear, because the Steelers don't take on three or four year head coaches because yeah, I, I think the, the Falcons should go all in on Belichick just because even if it's only a four year coaching job, it's still the best coach they're ever going to have. And he might yeah. be able to get to write that organization. Um, but the Steelers can't hire someone like that, dude. The Steelers have to hire no. like the next big coach. Um, dude, I think you stick with Tomlin, dude. I mean, consistency has been the foundation of the Steelers' success over the last, you know, basically the entire Super Bowl era, man. Yeah, it 60 went from years. Chuck Noll to Bill Cowher to Mike Tomlin. And there's a reason why the Steelers never bought him out, dude. Like, they're always in the mix, man. Like, there's there's just the definition of a spoiled franchise if they get rid of Mike Tomlin. I 100% agree. There's no way you can fire Mike Tomlin. Like any franchise would be extremely lucky to have him as their head coach. He's he's a great coach. Players love playing for him. I mean, this is basically everything I said about Mike Vrabel except Mike Tomlin has done nothing but win. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, dude, I just I don't really get if they fire him, I think that'd be a gigantic mistake by them because I just don't, I don't think you can get a better head coach than Tomlin right now unless you're getting Andy Reid or somebody like that. And the thing is, dude, like he he's strictly the head coach. I'm sure he's got a little bit of say on the front office moves, but he's not the GM or anything, man. He's the head coach. Dude, they waited way too long to replace Ben mm -hmm. Roethlisberger, and then they have not found his replacement yet. I mean, Kenny Pickett's been he he's a you know he's a fine little quarterback, dude. Right, like he's gonna be. I think he's probably going to end up being like a, you know, a, a solid career backup type guy. Um, you tried out Mason Rudolph, horrible, bring in Mitch Trubisky. Like, you know, come on, dude. We've seen enough of him at this point, man. Like, yeah, like you, 
they've done him no favors at the most important position over the last, you know, five, six years. Why the fuck did they not do the exact same thing that the Packers didn't draft a quarterback five years ago to sit and learn under Roethlisberger? I hate the guy as a person, but like, dude, as far as like an NFL quarterback, there's no person to learn under better than Roethlisberger and Tomlin. Yeah. Like, the dude would have been set up for the rest of his life if you draft a quarterback at that point. I just I don't understand drafting a quarterback the year Roethlisberger leaves. Like, fuck it, that was yeah, that's definitely malpractice on the front office part. Like they they definitely fucked that up. Do you even want to talk about the night game? We kind of went over it. I don't think we really yeah we talked about it enough. Just all time collapse. So. I, I think we probably see new coordinators brought in. I think Sirianni keeps his job, though, man. I think it'd be a mistake to fire Sirianni. They can't fire him yet. Dude, he hasn't lost that locker room. Um, yeah. D- don't be surprised if they trade A.J. Brown. I'm just – I'm calling it now. I just – I have a feel. <laughs> I just have a feeling, dude. I, I, no, I feel you, dude. He definitely seems like he's got that, like, you know – the 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 to like malcontent type thing going. I wouldn't be surprised if both of those receivers got traded. Him and DK, both old missed receivers, got traded this off season. Like, I think the Seahawks, dude, getting rid of Pete Carroll kind of signifies to me that they, they think it might be time to rebuild a little bit. Because I just don't think you're going to go right back into winning right away. Uh, maybe they will, but yeah. they don't have their quarterback set for the future. They got a decent defensive roster, but I mean, dude, Lockett's getting older. Like, trade DK when he still has value. I just, I, I think at some point you just kind of have to realize, like, hey, we're not Super Bowl contenders, and they're not. I think that's this is the point you realize it. Get whatever you can for DK, and I don't know. I just, I think. Back to the Eagles. I just think they're in a really weird spot. I think firing Nick Sirianni would be stupid right now. Um, he's done a lot for that organization. He stabilized it, dude. Got him to a Super Bowl. He lost both of his coordinators. Lost a ton of defensive players. Like, I don't think people made a big enough deal about that at the beginning of the season. I mean, me and you talked about it, but I just kind of think people kind of just glazed it over. They're like, "That's ah, the Eagles. They'll just find two more coordinators, dude." Not only did they lose two coordinators, but both of those coordinators did pretty fucking well as their first year as head coaches, and they learned a lot of that shit from Sirianni. So, to me, that tells you all you need to know about Sirianni. Yeah, I feel you, man. It, it'd be a, it would just be a mistake, man. I feel like the Eagles can totally just retool and come back reloaded for next season without replacing the head coach. Yeah. All right. We got anything else, or are we ready to get into picks? Um, hold on. There was one note I made other than the – Oh, I was just really talking about the Cowboys and what they do in the offseason, but I we kind of already hit on that. So, yeah, we can move on. I know it kind of uh, – I know it kind of just happened because of the weather. I kind of like spreading it out two games across all three days, man. It was nice. The only problem is, is like – yeah, it worked because today was uh, Martin Luther King Day, and a lot of people had the day off work. I don't think you could do that on just like a normal Monday, though. Yeah, like, it needed to be a holiday Monday. Yeah, it, it worked this year. Um, it was really cool. I agree with you. And it, it kind of worked out because uh, you got all AFC on Saturday, all NFC on Sunday, and then an AFC and an NFC game on Monday. I thought that was kind of cool oh, the way yeah. that works. L- little little symmetry. Yeah, I kind of like the way that worked. Um, do you want to – like, let's just talk about the the times and days of games next weekend because Saturday we've got – the first game is Ravens and Texans, right? Yeah, well, I was going to talk about it when we go through the picks. Oh, okay. Yeah, go ahead. Move on to the picks. All right. Let's get into it. 
gel the trouble water. Perfect timing on that pop top, bro. Absolutely right perfection. In, <laughs> right on the beat, man. Uh, so we got four really, really good games. Look forward to, man. Divisional weekend. Uh, it's pretty much the best weekend of football you're going to get in the NFL, dude. You, you, you trim the fat from wild card weekend. Um, you know, all killer, no filler. I'm really excited for these, man. All four games are going to be pretty entertaining in their own ways. Um, and, and the schedule worked out beautifully, too, man, with the, the Saturday night primetime, Chiefs-Bills in Buffalo. Or no, Chiefs-Bills Sunday night. And Saturday night, we got the uh, the Packers and Niners, dude, a classic, classic playoff rivalry, man. And then we got some nice, nice little appetizers on each day as well. We'll get into one of those first, man. We got the opening game of Divisional Weekend, C.J. Stroud and the upstart Texans heading into Baltimore to face the number one seed, Ravens. Dude, I would love to see the Texans keep rolling with this season and see C.J. Stroud play for a AFC Championship in his first year. But, dude, the, the last four games we've watched the Ravens at full strength, I just don't know how – anybody in the AFC yeah. can beat them at this point. It, if they play their game, it's just, dude, they're tough to beat, man. They're so fast on defense. feels like the buck stops here, man. It, it almost is to the point where it feels like it'd be a win if the Texans can just hang around and make this competitive, man. This has got, it, it, you know, they could totally have C.J. Stroud living in hell um, from, from the opening quarter in this one, man. Um, yeah, I, I think the Ravens win by at least two scores. Yeah, dude, I just – the Ravens' defense with their linebackers with how much, like, ground they cover, that shit that happened against the Browns on Sunday or Saturday, whatever, that shit ain't happening against the Ravens, dude. Their defense is too fast. It just they, – they have all pros at every level of that defense. That, that ain't happening against them. All right, so we both in agreement. Ravens roll pretty easily. Yeah. All right, Saturday night, interesting game, man. I think similar vibes, though, to to Baltimore-Houston. We got the Packers and the Niners in San Francisco. Um, I just don't. I mean, outside of Purdy just playing an absolutely god-awful game, I just I don't see a scenario where Green Bay wins. I just – yeah, they, they played about as well as you could this week. But 49ers are different than the Cowboys, man. That's a – that's a different monster. Like the only team that we really saw that like made the 49ers like submit and look horrible was the Ravens who I personally think going into the playoffs was the best team in the NFL. So yeah, green Bay is not that. Yeah. Niners are a machine, man. They had, they had that three game losing streak where they're a little bit banged up uh, towards the first half of the season. And then Ravens just had a, had a hell of a night on, on Christmas night against them and, and, and put it away early. Um, it's always tempting to fall in love with these wild card teams, right? Because they look so good on wild card weekend. But you forget that these teams that got the buy, they got the buy for a reason, man. And I, I think the Niners end up kicking their ass, man. I actually think this one could could get a little bit ugly. Shanahan has had uh, LaFleur's number. You know, they knocked him out of the playoffs twice over the last four seasons. And I think this is the best team Shanahan's ever had. So, yeah, I think this is another one, man. I think Saturday uh, both games could get a little ugly. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's a reason both of them are double-digit point spreads. So, yeah, not really surprising. All right, Sunday, man. Bucks, dude, they looked freaking awesome tonight, man. It could it, it could just be the Eagles being such such a freaking toilet bowl team right now, man. But the Bucks looked awesome heading into Detroit to face the Lions. <sighs> it's Baker Mayfield and Jared Goff. Like, am I getting excited about either one of these guys? No. 
I just I think the Lions are better, man. I think that's what it comes down to is the better team's gonna win this game. I just think the Lions are a better overall team. Like the Bucks had a decent season, but you gotta remember, dude, at one point the Bucks were four and seven, and there's a reason they were four and seven. So yeah. I just I don't think the Bucks have enough to beat the Lions. Yeah, I think tonight's performance said way more about the Eagles than it did the Bucks. The Bucks were horrible down the stretch in the regular season. I mean, they got absolutely smoked by the Saints, and then they barely beat the Panthers in Week 18 to uh, to punch their ticket to the postseason. Though it's crazy as is to say, man, I think the Lions are going to the freaking conference championship. I actually think this is going to be, uh, you know, if, if I'm them, the only thing I'm worried about is that on paper and like mentally. I feel like this looks like it's going to be a much easier game than than Los Angeles was coming into town for that wild card game. So you just worry about letting up any man. But as long as they keep the keep the pedal to the metal, I think uh, I think the Lions win this one as well. And the freaking Detroit Lions, man, going to be one game away from the Super Bowl. I got to correct you a little bit on the on the Bucks thing you just said. They went five and one in the last six games, and don't forget. The week before Christmas, they went into Green Bay and slaughtered the Packers, dude. They they beat them thirty four to twenty in Lambeau. So, I guess I'm just looking at those last two, man. They lost to the Saints, what like twenty six to nothing or twenty six seven or something. Twenty three like right? to thirteen, they lost to the Saints in week seventeen. And then what was the score against the Panthers? Nine zero. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't the whole last stretch. Maybe it was just those last couple weeks, man, that I was judging the Bucks. But off I mean, of. the the Bucks also did have a stretch where they lost six to twenty to the Detroit Lions, thirteen sixteen to the Falcons, eighteen to twenty four to Buffalo, and thirty seven thirty nine to Houston. So I mean, it wasn't like they were losing to horrible teams, but yeah, they had a stretch where like they show that their offense is not near as good as the a couple weeks they've been playing this season. That game against Detroit, that was in Tampa, right? Um, I just got off of it. Yep, it was in Tampa. Yeah, yeah, I think Lions roll, man. I do too. Um, and then the highlight of the weekend, dude, Sunday night, man, a game that you know feels like we kind of, in, in a lot of ways, we've been building to all season. Chiefs and Bills once again in the play. You know, this is the third time in the last four years these guys are meeting in the playoffs. This time it's going to be in Buffalo, though. Uh, I think it's a coin flip game, man. This just could totally go either way. I think it's going to come down to, you know, a balance of the ball here or there, or ho- hopefully it comes down to a balance of the ball here or there and not an awful call um, by a referee or something, man. I think home field advantage is enough for the Bills to get it done in an absolute down-to-the-wire uh, classic game. I don't really want to pick the same thing as you for every game, but, dude, I cannot pick the Chiefs. I just – I want the Bills to win this game so bad for them, for Josh Allen and just basically all of the Bills fans and stuff. I just do I think they could pro- they could possibly lose like you just said, yeah, it's a coin flip big game and if Josh Allen has one of those games where he just has brain force the entire game, I think that's possible, but I also think I liked what I heard out of Josh Allen after the game tonight when they interviewed him confident composed yeah yeah. he's like we finally get them at our place like yeah i think that's what screwed him the last two years is like dude playing at arrowhead if i mean if you've never been there it is an intimidating one of the best home field advantages yeah it's an intimidating place to play football dude and it, it when shit starts going wrong it becomes a snowball effect and that those fans get so fucking loud and it's just it's an intimidating place to play so I think them getting – if this was at Kansas City, I would pick Kansas City in a heartbeat. I just – I think that they now that they get home field advantage, I, 
it just all sets up for them to win. I just, I don't. yeah, coin flip game, but yeah, in Buffalo is enough of a difference, man. I, I'm really, really excited for this one. If you're a football fan, you got to be looking your chops to watch this game because it's going to be outstanding. Mahomes is basically taking over for Brady as like you know the Jason Voorhees of the NFL playoffs. Like you're not going to think he's gone until you know he's 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 you know killed and you you know you got to chop off his head and set him on fire, dude. It's just it's hard to ever like envision him and Andy Reid. Um, losing until it actually happens. Uh, but yeah, man, I, 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 you know, I haven't flinched off at all season, man. I think the bills are going to win the super bowl. I think they beat KC and then going out, you know, I'll go and I'll give a spoiler on my picks next week, man. I think they're going to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, uh, and, and take it all the way this year. They're definitely in a good spot. Hold on. I just wanted to check something real quick. Cause I thought I'd heard this today. Hmm. Yeah, so this is the first time the Chiefs have played a road playoff game in four years. That's insane, man. What a freaking – what a stat. Yeah, I think the AFC Championship has been in Arrowhead like the, since Patrick Mahomes has took over. Yeah, because they beat, they beat the Bills in 2020. That was at home. They beat the Bills in 2021. Or that was the division. They beat the Bengals. You got to go back further, bro. 2018, they lost to the Patriots. 2019, they no, tw- beat. Uh, 2019 or 2018, they they got beat by the Colts at home. Oh no, no, they beat the Colts. You're right. Yep. 2018 was the year they lost to the Patriots. 2019, 2019, 2019, they beat the Titans. Yep. 2020, they lost. No, 2020, they beat. They, 2020, they beat, they beat, they beat the, Bills. the Bills. And then 2021, 20, they lost to the Bengals. Yep. In 2022, they beat the Bengals. Yeah, man. This would be the first time in freaking. Uh, yeah, and, and unless, you know, they win and the Texans pull off the impossible, yeah, it'll be the first time since 2018 that the AFC Championship hasn't been an arrowhead. That's insane, man. I don't even think the Patriots ever even pulled that off. They had a, they had to go on the road a couple times during their run for the, uh, the conference championship. Yeah, it's going to be a wild weekend, and you just kind of wonder if – we just talked about them getting home field – you kind of wonder if like that would be the difference of whether or not this is where Kansas city's kind of dynasty ends a little bit. Cause they have to go on the road. Um, I'm just going to say, man, if there's ever a time to get, catch the chiefs, it's right now. Like, I know you said that you thought that that game on Saturday scared you a little bit more for this weekend. I don't dude. I still think they're still not the chiefs. No, old, though. they're not, they're not even close. They're beatable. You just gotta, you yeah. gotta put up some points and your defense can slow them down now. The uh, dude, if I'm if I'm Bill's mafia, I'm rallying, I'm hitting social media, I'm putting the peer pressure out there. Like, dude, let's not let you know, let Taylor Swift be the only fucking Chiefs fan nope. that gets in that stadium. I, I'm not even letting Sunday. her, I'm not even letting her bitch ass in the stadium. <laughs> Fuck if that. If you're if you're Bill's mafia, you're hitting the fucking deadly death drop on Taylor Swift on the way into yeah. the uh, the stadium. There ain't no fucking way I'm letting her in that fucking stadium. I'll burn the fucking sweets down before I'll let her in the fucking stadium. No, I think way. she's the X factor, bro. The entire last year, dude, Taylor Swift has like dominated the news cycle she's been everywhere man like dude it just feels like it would be fate man for her to be you know live and in person at the super bowl dating one of the freaking players competing in the game uh i don't know i'm rooting for the bills man but yeah you got you got to worry about the uh the swifty effect on this one plus the nfl would have to be licking their chops at that man that it get even more people watching the super bowl than already do i mean you could also say the swifty effect is the reason the chiefs aren't playing as well as they usually do so I, seven and three when she's in the building dude seven and three when she's yeah, there well the only thing i'm going by is watching travis kelsey play football and he has not looked like he's wanted to play football since they started dating so 
That's what I'm going on. I think on. he did make the play of the season that the ref screwed him on, man. The, the, Nobody knows. You all mean sides. Kadarius Tony screwed him on. The refs didn't screw anybody. A play like I told you, dude. I, at the time, I agreed, man. But looking back on it, I feel like they should have just let us have that. And honestly, dude, if that play uh if that play ends up counting dude how much different are the season the bills might not even be in the playoffs right now man that may have been like the backbreaker for the bills and uh they definitely wouldn't be hosting kansas city man what a i mean seriously dude like that's good that couldn't if the bills end up do one in the super bowl this year man that could end up going down as one of like the most monumental uh penalties of all time what do they say man football is a game of inches all right let's get into a million dollar bets All right, big dog, please spare no detail as you tell us how the uh, bets went this past weekend, man. Take your time. Feel free to, uh, you know, spend, you know, you really, really dig in on this one, man. Let it, let the listeners know how we did. Dude, I, I couldn't have possibly done any worse. Steelers plus 10, not even close to covering for 50,000. And then I did the touchdown parlay with Jameer Gibbs, Josh Allen, and Kyron Williams. Only one of those guys scored a touchdown, so plus 25K on that one. So down 75K on the week. I am 19 and 19 on the season, plus 125K. Seth, with the two genius bets of the weekend, Packers plus 7.5 for 50K, and Chiefs minus 4 for 100K. Uh, That brings Seth to 23 and 15 and plus 550K. Jeez, man. I really should start taking up this gambling thing full time, man. Hmm. Famous last words. Yeah, let me know how that works out for you. <laughs> it's always easy when I, you're playing with fake money. Yeah, it's a lot easier to just roll those dice. Speaking of which, man, I'm I'm gonna just ride the hot hand. I'm going heavy both my games this week, man. Keeping it simple. I'm taking both the Saturday favorites, man. I'm taking both the one seeds. Typically, I would stay away from from a spread, anything bigger than a touchdown, because it's the NFL. That's you know these teams are really so much more like they're much tighter in talent than than we really think. But I think for these two games, I, I just think the favorites are going to roll, dude. So I'm, I'll take the uh, the Niners minus ten for hundred K, and I'll take the Ravens minus nine and a half for hundred K. Okay. Well, we're going to have one of the same. Um, My first bet, I'm just going all in, dude. If I, if I fucking, I mean, if this is where the the season ends and I end up negative, (laughs) so be it. I'm going uh, Ravens minus nine and a half for 300 K. Okay. And then I'm also going to take, I'm going to take the overs on, I'm going to take overs on Packers and Niners over 50 for 150k all right man i like it yeah i'm i'm much more confident in the uh the ravens than i am the packers I, just because the packers have been so hot i feel like they could end up uh just putting up some points i don't love 49ers minus 10 i do think they win i just dude they like you just said the the hot wild card team is always really tough to beat so i mean i, I think the niners do win i just tens a lot man the Niners got a. They're like, uh, you know, we we like to say stuffs like the poor man's version or something. I feel like the Niners are kind of like the rich man's version of the Dolphins, and that the Dolphins are the kind of team that it seems like 
if one thing goes wrong, they can have trouble bouncing back from that. And I feel like the Niners got a little bit of that also, right? They definitely, they're a good team, man. They're a legit good team. They're not any kind of fraud, but they're definitely something. Uh, they're, if I had one cr- critique of them, they're a little bit of front runners, right? Like when things start going good, they can go really, really fucking great. But sometimes if things get going bad, they have a hard time turning it around. Yeah, I agree. I, I even compared them to the Warriors of like 2016. Like, yeah. when they're ahead, they're basically impossible to beat. But if they get behind, not good. Yeah, yeah, that, uh, yeah. Exactly. That that's a really good comparison, man. Um, you ready to get into some listener mail? Let's do it. All right. So first off, we will start with uh, my good friend James Modsley, good friend of mine from the Navy. I, he's a diehard Tampa Bay Bucks fan. I do want to point out he sent me this text. Five minutes before kickoff, he said, when the Eagles lose to Tampa uh, Bay, what changes need to be made in Philly? So we kind of already answered that question, but I just did want to give him some props that, uh, you know, he, he wasn't talking shit in the fourth quarter and it was a wrap, dude. He fired that off, uh, you know, five minutes before kickoff. Hey, uh, James also sent us a question last week that I completely flubbed and didn't see until after we'd already recorded. He said, Jordan, question for you. What head coaches are the best options for teams that just fired their head coaches? Also, the Tampa Bay Bucks have won the NFC South championship three times in a row. <laughs> Fuck off for that one, but we'll answer the other one. I mean, for one season, I'm probably going Harbaugh. I, I think Harbaugh's could, could he could take a talented roster and have them knocking on the door of the Super Bowl. I think he could take a uh, you know a bottom feeder and have them you know knocking knocking on the door, getting in the playoffs. Yeah, but which team uh, are you within one on? season? He he asked uh, he asked what head coaches are the best options for teams that just fired their head coach. So like yes. I, I think Harbaugh is the best option for the Chargers. Yeah, Harbaugh to the Chargers. I think Belichick to to the Falcons, man. And dude, from there, I feel like you kind of just get into like the mix and match coordinators, man. I mean, Rabel's got to get a fucking job, right? I don't know, dude. I mean, I feel like Rabel might sit out of here, dude. Maybe maybe. I, I mean, where does it make sense for him to go right now, dude? Like, if I haven't heard, has he interviewed anywhere? I haven't really been hearing a He's lot of chatter on Rabel. the Seahawks, I think. Uh, but here's the only thing: we didn't even talk about this, dude. What the fuck were the Patriots doing? They literally hired Gerard Mayo two days after they fired Belichick. Like, they didn't even do a coaching search; they just hired an in an in house guy. Like, was that a little you, unexpected to you? A little bit, but we, you know, we talked about it, man. It feels like a doomsday proposition for whoever's following Belichick, man. Like, I feel like maybe you just rolled the, maybe, you know, the, whoever's making the decisions there, if it's Robert Kraft, whoever he's got in his inner circle, maybe they knew that, you know, the, the pressure is just going to be insurmountable for whoever's going in there. So maybe just roll the dice with a low stakes hire like Gerard Mayo. And if, if he works out great, if you got a shit can him in two years, that's fine. And then you can really start the rebuilding process. Now, you know, Robert Kraft's an old guy. I'm not sure if I want to just punt on two years, but I don't know. I mean, Mayo's been there for a long time as a player and a coach. Maybe they saw enough to know that this is the guy that we need to, uh, you know, to take us into the next era. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get into our questions from Facebook. So Brett Shero says, how about them Lions? Not a huge fan of football, but in Michigan, it's been pretty exciting with the recent Lions performance. Yeah. A lot to be happy about, man. I mean, really, the most this is the most you guys have been had to be excited about in since the Barry Sanders days. Yeah, that that was a pretty impressive week for Michigan football. University of Michigan wins the national championship, and Detroit wins their first playoff game in thirty years. What a week! All it took, all, all it took, was uh, you know, sacrificing the Detroit Pistons to the sports gods. 
Yeah, they won today. True, but they're still on pace to have end up with possibly the worst season in NBA history. Oh, right? they're fucking bad. They're really bad. Yeah. Uh, Robert Genio says, I'm sure you guys will touch on this, but give us your MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, et cetera, and also discuss in detail the obliteration of the Cowboys. He says, take as long as you like. So, yeah, we went in on the Cowboys <laughs> already. Uh, to answer your question, man, we're going to kind of – we've already penciled in that week – between the Super Bowl and the conference championships, that bye week there is when we're going to do our end of year um, awards. And they're still going to be heavily weighted off regular season, but we'll factor in a little bit of postseason performance as well on those awards. So, yeah, thanks for writing in, Rob. And you can look forward to all of the uh, the goalies, I guess. Should we call them the goalies, man? I try to make that stick for our, uh, our listeners' uh, nickname and Jordan just shit on it. What do you think of the goalies for the name of our, our end of year awards? God, I fucking hate it. We got to think of something better than that. <laughs> All right, we'll come up with something, dude. If you guys got a suggestion for what we should call the end of year awards, let us know. We'll take it on board. But yeah, Rob, look at a couple weeks. We'll do our end of year awards. Uh, Sam Rosenthal says, you are Jerry Jones. What do you need to get another Super Bowl win finally? Everyone says fire McCarthy or replace uh, Dak, but I don't think it's that instant or they only fix. I mean, yeah, you heard Jordan talk. He thinks they need a whole philosophy shift. Um, kind of changing the way the organizations ran. I, dude, I feel like that roster is still pretty loaded. Maybe I'm just way way overestimating what they got there. I, I think a, a different head coach could do the trick in one year. Yeah, I think they got big problems. I just, I don't, I don't know, man. They, they just keep having the same postseason letdown every year. So I don't really know what the solution is. I just think Jerry Jones has got to give up some of that power. Yeah, you, you can pretty much set your watch by the Cowboys breaking the heart of their fans every January. Uh, Jordan's lovely wife, Ari, says, have you changed your Super Bowl winner predictions yet? I'm sticking with the Bills all the way, man. Nothing I, I, you know, I feel probably more confident than I have all season after that game today. How about you, Jordan? Uh, I said the Bills before the season, but I think a couple weeks ago when we talked about this, I said the Ravens. I mean, I still think it could be either one of those two teams. So, uh, no, I'm not going to change anything now. Brian Vermeer says, we haven't had real playable football figures ever. The new starting lineups seem to be the closest things we'll ever get. If they ever did decide to make more starting lineups, give me the first wave of NFL and NCAA players to get made. Each wave is four players, of which three are active and one is retired and graduated. So, yeah, if we got some like uh, some straight up like elite level, you know, the, similar to like the, the WWE elite line of football players, man, not like the not like the starting lineups or even like the McFarlane figures, which were really kind of just glorified statues. Maybe you can move the arms a little bit. Um, we'll, we'll go back and forth, man. Who, who are you taking first for an NFL player? Um, I think you got to go Mahomes first. I just, I don't know how you pick someone else. Honestly, he's the face of the league right now. So I would definitely go Mahomes. Yeah. He's 73 active. I, I'll probably go Tyree Kale, man. I just feel like, uh, you could make a sick Dolphins figure. Dude. I feel like the colors would pop, would pop off the shelf and he's definitely the best wide receiver in the league right now. I'm glad Who you- are you going for a uh, retired NFL pick Brady hundred percent. I just think that's going to be the, the sell. I just, there's so many Patriots fans and so many fans of Brady in general. I just feel like that's the sell. That's that's the first selling point. I mean, you can argue with whoever you want, but I, I think that's the greatest football player we'll ever see in our lifetimes. Uh, I agree 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll close out the current guys in, in the first series um, since it might be the, only, the last chance we get to get a uh, – a figure of him in the two-tone blue before he moves on to greener pastures. Give me a Derrick Henry in the uh, in the, the Houston Oilers throwback uniforms. Nice. All right, let's go college, man. Uh, 
You you go first, dude. Who you want active for college? Um, if we're going for a based off this year, I you got to let's go. go. Let's go college. Let's go all time, dude. I feel like oh. I feel like you have to get. I feel like an NCAA series. You got to go all timers, man. Well, we're we're going Tommy Frazier first and foremost, baby. <sighs> I don't. I, I like it. Like, dude, if. I know, like, a lot of younger kids just think Nebraska has been, like, terrible our entire lives, dude. No, they were go, monsters, dude. Go back 90s. and watch the highlights of Tommy Frazier against Florida in the Orange Bowl or Fiesta Bowl, whichever one it was. I can't remember. It's been a long time. Just go back and watch the highlights. He broke, like, 17 tackles on one play. It's like a 70-yard yeah. touchdown run. That dude was an animal in college. Just absolutely unreal. Yeah, for those for for those that don't know, yeah, back in the you know the eighties and nineties, dude, Nebraska ran the triple option offense. They would get some of the most badass athletes in the nation at quarterback and running back, and then they'd get some of the biggest cornbread linemen possible and just pump them to the fucking gills full of HGH and steroids. They don't tell them what all they were gassed up on, man. There was no testing back in college in those days, dude, and they were just they straight up plow people, man. I remember that that I want to say it was either the 95 or 96 season, the year they beat Florida in the national championship. And like, dude, they look like an NFL team going up against a bunch of fucking teenagers out there, man. Like and, they just straight up ran it down their throats. And that Florida team, which coached by Steve Spurrier and they were really good. They had a ton they of, they were first. fucking awesome, dude. Yeah. They were like the high flying, you know, like the, they were like the 99 Rams of college football, dude. And just got, I mean, steamrolled ain't even the word, dude. They, they were fucking roadkill after that one, man. January 2nd, 1996. Uh, both yeah. teams were undefeated going into that game. Final score, Nebraska 62, Florida 24. One I think would be an awesome hot seller, dude. Give me Deion Sanders on Florida State, man. Oh, yeah. That number two jersey. I'm assuming these guys are going to be able to take their helmets off so you could have the do-rag underneath, man. Maybe give them some gold chains, accessories, dude. I just I feel like that'd be a hot seller, man. Deion, you know, honestly, he's as, as relevant as he's ever been in the sports world nowadays. Uh, I think that'd be a big one, man. So I, I'll go Deion for my pick, man. Who you got next? Um, I feel like you gotta go, um, somebody from that Oh one Miami team. That's arguably the best college football team ever. I'm going to go Ed Reed off that team. Okay. I just think of him or, or Willis McGahee. Yeah, dude. Sure. Ed Reed was just such a fucking monster in college. Dude, he's just another guy. Like if, if you didn't watch him play in college, go back and watch him play in college. It was just, he, he covered the entire field. He was unreal. I know Alabama's had some awesome teams during the Saban years, dude, but for my money, man, that the 2001 and then the 2002 Miami Hurricanes, that's the closest we've ever had a college football team to be on the level of like a crappy NFL team, man. I think the 19 or 18, whatever it was, LSU team is pretty close too, dude. They, yeah. That team had so much first-round talent. Yeah, I mean, dude, Joe they Burrow had Justin like, Jefferson awesome, and Jamar Chase – on the same team with Joe Burrow throwing him the ball. Like, it's pretty unbeatable. I was randomly, I, I don't even know why, I was randomly thinking about that team today. Like, dude, do you think the, the LSU boosters just loaded up and just bought a team for a season? Because yes. they, they, they came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden they're like the greatest college football team anybody's ever seen. Like, seriously, if you look at some of the numbers, man, like they're, they're really kind of – incomparable over history and then they just completely fade into oblivion dude they have uh, you know two straight mediocre seasons ed orgeron's gone after that and they've been decent with brian kelly back there but that that year just seems like it came out of nowhere and you just have this month one monster season and then it's nothing afterwards that's that's weird right you want to know one of the craziest things about that too 
So Justin Jefferson was a three-star receiver coming out of high school. The only school that offered him was LSU, and Orgeron kept his scholarship open just for him. Nobody else even offered him out of high school. That was his only offer, and he turned into the player he is today. So just saying. Yeah. So who are you going? Who are you going? You said you're going Justin Jefferson, or are you going Joe Burrow? Who are you going? No, I went Ed Reed. It's your turn now. Oh, I thought you. Oh, yeah, we were just talking about uh, teams getting close to NFL. Sorry, dude. I'm a, I'm a few beers deep, man. Uh, all right, so who we got in our first series? So we got Ed Reed, Tommy, we got Deion Sanders, and Tommy Frazier. I'll go somebody a little bit more recent, man. I feel like we got to go. We got to get some SEC love in there, dude. I'm going Peyton Manning and that Tennessee Orange. Dude, I think that'd be a sick freaking uh, a sick figure also, man. Like, give me 1998 Peyton Manning. Maybe they could, like, have the highlights of him getting molly by Nebraska on the back of it in his last <laughs> game. <laughs> <laughs> I was – yeah, and then the sad thing is, dude, it's it, – you know, it's almost Peyton Manning in a nutshell. You know, he did get two Super Bowl rings, but it felt like the – there was way more postseason failures and successes. I mean, he's there with loaded Tennessee teams all four years and just keeps coming short. And then T. Martin goes undefeated and wins the national championship with him the uh, the very next season, man. Um, I wanted to go Alabama, dude, but I was, you know, with this run they had in the Saban years, but I feel like there's not really been like that one iconic player for them. You know what I mean? I feel like when you think Alabama, you're always thinking Saban before you think of any of their, their great players they've had over the years. And they've had Heisman Trophy winners and everything. Yeah, it's a uh, it's crazy to think about. Maybe you make a Nick Saban build a figure in that first college set, or Bear Bryant, Tom Osborne. That would be awesome, dude. Yeah, Bear Bryant, bring back bring back coaches in suits on the sideline. Hell yeah! <laughs> All right, great question, Brian. That actually got me kind of fired up, especially for the college line, dude. I feel like that would be pretty dang sweet. Uh, Brian also asked with rumors of Sirianni and McCarthy being on the hot seat. What do you think of coaches being on the hot seat when their teams easily made the playoffs? Dude, I think it's all about expectation management, man. Like if you're if the expectations are this team, you know, we put the money and the effort into building a Super Bowl contender and you have an embarrassing showing in the first playoff game, I think the the questions about job security are welcome there, man. So, yeah, I don't it's it's I mean, there's only 32 of these jobs in the uh, in in the entire world. So, I think that's totally fair, man. If a, if a team owner is, you know, built that kind of squad and you come up short, yeah, dude, you you're going to be on the hot seat. Also, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl last year, arguably should have won. So, yeah, of course their expectations were sky high for this season. And the Cowboys, dude, they're the Cowboys. They think every year is their year. <laughs> All right, last question. Mike Rivera says, diehard, uh, diehard Dolphins fan here. I love Tua and Mike McDaniel, but one or both of them are the problem, and I can't figure it out. I honestly think it's Tua. He looks scared every time he has the ball for more than two seconds. Honestly, I wouldn't be upset if one or both were replaced. What do you guys think? I think, you know, two of we already talked about. I think it'd be a huge mistake if they got rid of McDaniel. Yeah. I think he probably needs to make some tweaks, man, to uh, to that scheme. Maybe make it a little bit less high-flying because it seems like – or I, I don't know, dude. Maybe get rid of the training staff. Something's going on there while they've limped into the playoffs the last two years. I think the injuries – even more than Tua's lackluster play, because if Tua would have been better, uh, you know, if they wouldn't have been for the injuries, I think they probably would have won, you know, one more game down the stretch and could have had home field in the playoffs, man, or at least for that first playoff game. I, I think it's more Tua. Um, I don't put much of this at all on McDaniel, dude. McDaniel's an absolutely great coach. Still needs to make some tweaks, right? He's not, you know, he's not infallible, but I think it'd be a huge mistake if they can McDaniel. There's one thing I'll say about Mike McDaniel. I think 
when you lose a game like you lost this weekend, all the jokey shit that he does and kind of like treating it a little bit like too much of a game. You know, I think some of that shit rubs the fans the wrong way. But yeah, I think that would be an absolute mistake if they fired him. I think that would be the stupidest thing ever if they fired him. He's a great coach. Yeah, and you're right. He does got that demeanor, like the laid back, like at ease demeanor and stuff that can make you think that. But if you look at any of his history in the league, man, dude's a workaholic. Like Kyle yeah. Shanahan talked that they used to have to like send that guy home from work and stuff because he would just grind nonstop while he was there with the, on, on the Niners staff. So, yeah, if you, I, I still think, uh, you know, all things considered, I think your best bet if you're Miami is rolling it back with both these guys again next season and just see what happens with Tua. But out of the two of them, I think McDaniel is definitely the keeper long term. I 100% agree. All right, man. We are down to seven freaking football games left. Uh, can't wait to get into this next weekend of football, man. And, and even more importantly, talk it with you again uh, next week, Jordan. It's been great so far. Leave us with some closing thoughts, man, as we head into the divisional round. The tears are already flowing down my cheeks just with the thoughts of seven more football games to watch on the year. But also, let's hope Bill Belichick is the Falcons head coach next time we record. Sweet cherry pie slice and the boondocks Skillets and the engines and the women